Hello, everyone. This is Sal from Bitcoin Taxes. Welcome to our podcast. Each week, we speak to an expert with knowledge related to cryptocurrency, taxation, and blockchain technology. Our guests all have a unique perspective or expertise on these topics. Today, we are speaking with Drew Karnowski. Drew is the owner of Archer Tax Group and will be speaking with us today about crypto tax reduction strategies, including crypto-backed loans and qualified opportunity zones. Drew, thanks for being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Of course. And so can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, certainly. So I, I've been in taxes for, oh gosh, probably six years now in a variety of different capacities. Um, you know, my pedigree comes from, you know, I worked for one of those, if you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS, give us a call. So we fought with the, the IRS and I think every state but Idaho, I got to add that to my list. So if there's anyone who's fighting with the state of Idaho, you know, let me know. <laughs> I'd love to have you on. Um, but we've worked in cryptocurrency since the beginning parts of 2017. Um, I, I've been involved in a lot of different nuanced parts of the law. I actually kind of cut my teeth a little bit too, working with truck drivers, which have some very specific rules. Uh, and so that gave us a really good view. And as soon as we started you know, noticing there was a, a deficit of information in crypto, I mean, you've got the one notice the IRS put out in 2014 and pretty much crickets ever since. Right. Uh, we've kind of come on and, and used that expertise and that, that backing in understanding the law and how the IRS kind of goes after things from a... Um, procedural standpoint to kind of guide our clients to, to the best case for them, but not having something where they're kind of taking an unnecessary risk. We apply that to crypto. And I'm sure, you know, a lot of the listeners have either seen us on different YouTube channels. Um, we've been featured in, in Why Bitcoin Magazine. Um, we actually spoke at ETH Denver this year. We, we led a workshop there. Um, and we've been kind of all over the, the YouTube space as well. So we've been on Data Dash and Crypto Blood and, you know, it, I'm glad this isn't a video interview because I, you know, it's, it's always kind of weird to see yourself talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it sounds like you've definitely uh, got a lot of experience in this space and you've got a lot of information to offer our listeners. Oh, yeah. Um, I know today we're going to focus on mainly crypto tax reduction strategies, as I mentioned earlier, at crypto back loans, uh, QOZs. Um, but for now, can you just give us a brief introduction to capital gains with crypto for anybody listening who's not familiar? Yeah, certainly. So 99.9% of, of crypto transactions have either a capital gain or capital loss component. Um, a lot of people are holding these for investments. And there's a, a pretty stark difference between how capital gains are treated versus how ordinary income is treated. You know, one, if you're holding and have long-term capital gains you know, after a year and one day, uh, the tax rate drops down significantly for capital gains. However, if you've got it treated as ordinary income, whether you're receiving it for payment services or, you know, you're receiving payments from W-2 work, things like that. There's all sorts of things that we can do to harvest loss against it. So depending on the, the actual treatment from an income perspective of your cryptocurrency can actually change how we'd approach, you know, reducing the overall tax liability. And a lot of that is just kind of planning and understanding what, what kind of income you have. Interesting. So how do different types of income affect that? Do you want to go into that a little yeah, bit? Yeah, certainly. So one, one of my favorite, you know, strategies that used to be a lot more viable, but has kind of dropped off um, as, as uh, projects are moving away from proof of work and moving more towards proof of stake is the idea of, you know, mining cryptocurrency. So when you would receive that, that token, you would receive it as ordinary income and you'd subtract all of your expenses. And, and ideally you'd have enough expense to eat up all of that gross revenue so that you've got no, no net profit or you know, at least a little bit of uh, ordinary loss. The benefit to that is you're not gonna pay any income tax on it then, and also you've got a higher basis in your crypto. So whenever you sell your crypto for less than you acquired it for, whether that's by buying it, mining it, or, or receiving it um, for services, 
you actually end up creating a capital loss. So in some cases, we had some clients that you know we were working with in, in the middle parts and, and latter parts of 2017 to find a way to move into investing in mining equipment and, and actually running those miners in order to have market rate crypto that they could then sell and not have to worry about you know significant profits because they had enough expenses elsewhere to eat up the, the ordinary income. Now, you said that that was a thing of the past, right? Because I do have a lot of uh, customers in Bitcoin.tax who ask a lot about their mining equipment and if they can deduct it from their losses. And typically, what we've been told is that, you know, mining equipment doesn't count as a loss on your capital. You can't use it as a capital loss. You can't use it as Correct. A, that's a gain. Correct. So unless, unless you are selling your mining equipment for less than you purchased it for, which I mean, every time they come out with a new card, the price basically drops for the old equipment. And you didn't, you know, take all the depreciation on it. And there, there's a lot of specific rules with depreciation recapture you'd want to be careful of. Um, if you sell the mining equipment at a loss and create a capital loss because you are holding it as as an asset, then yes, you can actually take that against your your crypto gains. Uh, but as far as the actual mining losses, so let's say you know you spent ten thousand dollars to to mine six thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin, you've technically got a, a ordinary loss of $4,000. So with that, it's not going to directly offset the capital gain like a capital loss would. But when we run it through your actual return, we're going to reduce your overall income by the $4,000 that you lost through the business. So I'm sure a lot of people want to know where, where, yeah. what form do they add the mining deduction on them? Like the equipment yeah. deduction on. So, so if you've got the equipment, the electricity and, and everything else, you're going to want to put that in your schedule. See if you're an individual. You know, I've seen a couple and we've actually got some clients that are uh, running it through an S corp because there's multiple partners involved and they're you're running a little bit more of an industrial operation more than anything else. Uh, but it's one of those things that generally speaking, it's going to go on your schedule C. So kind of going back to that first example, you know, if you've got the $6,000 that you made, you'd recognize $6,000 on, on that schedule C as income. Mm-hmm. We'd subtract off the $10,000 between, you know, your cell phone bill, um, maybe your, your home office, you wouldn't be able to deduct if you had a loss, but you know, maybe you've got, um, storage space that you're renting to hold, hold the equipment um, offsite. Maybe you've got, you know, a cell phone that you can depreciate the actual cell phone because you're, you're paying the payment plan on it. You know, an iPhone now is what a thousand dollars. Right. Most people don't realize that they can take the full value of their cell phone if they're using it, you know, almost exclusively for business. And, and most crypto people I know were, or at least they used to be checking their phones every 30 seconds, to check market prices. And, you know, maybe they they're running some software through their phone to check their uptime on their miners or security, you know, that's all deductible. So the more that we can find it to stack against the revenue, the better it will be for the, the actual miner because they'll generate a loss that isn't going to be capped like capital losses. Is there a difference between somebody who would be considered self-employed by trading crypto versus somebody who's just trading crypto and works a normal nine to five job? So so with that, I mean, the crypto trader designation is a very specific deduction. Um, so you're still going to recognize all of your crypto as capital gains. The difference is you can take your expenses against it. The problem is most crypto traders, you know, if you're talking someone who's, who's done a really great job, they've got a hundred thousand dollars worth of gain. Um, and it's all short-term gain. So it's taxed the same, same rates. They can take their cell phone bill still, they can take all the other expenses, but the problem is it's not going to offset very much. Right. Okay. Got it. Can you talk to us a little bit about crypto backed loans? Yeah, certainly. So it's it's one of those things that I I I actually really like the idea of crypto backed loans. I've worked, you know, uh, on a number of different fronts in various capacities with them. 
Uh, my personal favorite, I'm a big fan of um, the Dharma protocol and being able to play bank and, and lender and also borrower with uh, ERC-20 tokens. Um, but the idea being behind a crypto back loan is when you are using an asset to secure a loan and you're not liquidated in any way, kind of like a home loan, you're not going to get taxed on the value that you pull out of the, the equity, if you will. You know, when you get a mortgage against your home, you're not selling the home, you're borrowing against the equity. Right. Now, if you turn around and, and the price declines and your loan gets called, now all of a sudden you're going to have a liquidation event. And so you have to be very, very careful that you're not putting yourself in a, a loan that is, you know, too risky. A lot of these loans require a loan to value ratio of about 35% because they know that the price is going to swing, you know, wildly. Now that we've kind of, in, in my opinion, kind of cleared the bottom a little bit, things are stabilizing. And I say that kind of, you know, I, air quotes on my end, um, you know, it can always go down further, it can always rock it back up or we can stay stagnant. But the idea being, you know, if you're paying a, a, an interest rate on on the crypto, that one becomes a, a potential business expense depending on what you're using the crypto for. But two, you're able to unlock some of that value without having to recognize a gain. So if you're trying to really push for long-term capital gains and you still want to trade the market, it's a really great way to pull the value out of your existing crypto without triggering any kind of taxable event provided that you're not having a liquidation event. Okay, now is this something that you would recommend for high volume traders, uh, everyday traders? Is this something that's a little bit more complex that requires somebody to do their research before they get into crypto back loans? Oh, for sure. I, I think anyone anyone in crypto should always be doing their research. You know, it's one of those things that it really just depends on, on the amount that they need to pull out. You know, if we're talking someone who wants to stay long in a position and, you know, the they know that they're going to have a payoff you know, four months from now, or they're, they're expecting to pay out four months from now, they want to structure a loan that they're not going to have to pay at month three and liquidate the position to, to basically cover their loan. So you want to try and look for, you know, longer term loans, you know, the lowest interest rates. I think I've seen them, you know, usually around 12% unless you're using, you know, kind of the third party open market, which is the Dharmas and the, the makers, um, maker protocols got, you know, some relatively low fees in lieu of interest that we could potentially take and use. You know, I see a lot of people trading die pairs and things like that, and they're able to leverage their Ethereum in order to, you know, not have to worry about capital gains to get into, you know, other altcoins via die. So that would be one thing that I would take a look at and, and just be careful. You know, if you're using your crypto to, or pulling the value out of your crypto, I should say, and investing in high risk assets, if you go to zero, you're going to lose everything. So it's just like margin trading. You know, you have to be careful and cautious and intelligent about it. And a lot of people that we see using these crypto back loans are people that are kind of more on the mining side of things where they're generating a ton of these tokens and they want to continue to expand, but they want to stay along with these tokens. They know they've got, you know, a relatively consistent income from the mining. So they're using that to kind of cover the loan in the short term. So it really just depends on, on what your goals are and what your needs are and, and making sure that the timing matches up with, what makes sense for you and your business and your trading. Okay. And you mentioned a couple of the loan providers. Are there any other yeah. providers you'd suggest? So we've, we've worked with a handful of them. Um, and I've talked to a couple, you know, we've got salt out here. Um, but I think the crypto community has kind of gotten burnt a little bit on salt lending because they've kind of been on again, off again, and they've seemed to have trouble with their management, things like that. Mm -hmm. So it's just one of the things that you always have to be really, really, really cautious and, and making sure that you're working with, a company that's liquid and is going to take care of you. Um, you know, another another group that we've worked with is you know Unchained Capital. They've been pretty great and responsive. You know, I've talked to their CEO a couple of times. Anytime that I talk to them and introduce them to a client, they're they're on the ball and they they move very 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 quickly. So I've been very impressed with Unchained Capital. Okay, cool. 
So now I want to ask you about qualified opportunity zones. Yeah. Can you explain first off what a qualified opportunity zone is, and then we'll talk a little bit more about them? Yeah, absolutely. So it it's probably the greatest gift out of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. Um, I think it was one of those things that a lot of people didn't quite understand what was going on as things were kind of passing, and they were looking more at you know the typical individuals' taxes and saying, well, they're they're dialing back you know um, itemized deductions and things like that. This is probably the greatest gift to anybody with capital gains and and you know, when we've got capital gains in crypto, it tends to, you know, pour. And when it rains, it pours with the capital gains in crypto. Um, but the general idea is if you've got a capital gain that you reinvest within 180 days of the, the date of sale into a qualified opportunity zone, and they're all over the country, and there's even a couple in Puerto Rico and I think the, Amer the U.S. Virgin Islands as well, you can defer that capital gain until the end of 2026, so long as you hold the, the investment in that zone. And that investment can be you know, either a building that you improve substantially, a business that operates primarily in that zone, and there's a couple other caveats with that, or if you invest in a fund that invests in either of the other two. So you can pool your assets with other individuals and you know, leverage more to say buy an apartment building that needs renovations that you, you know, basically scrape and, and rebuild because you have to rebuild or you have to improve the property 100% of the building value, not necessarily the land value. So our, our offices in, in Longmont, Colorado are actually in a qualified opportunity zone. So we've been trying to work with some small local businesses that are looking for you know, additional investment to help them kind of grow and, and structure themselves to be as compliant with QOZ rules and regulations as possible. Do you need to reside in those areas or can you just invest in a building or something in a, in a different area that's a qualified so, opportunity zone? So as long as the business or the, the building is, is domiciled there, you're, you're good to go. The other um, option as well is, you know, if you're not able to, to have your own business there, investing in those funds, and I, I guarantee you they're going to start cropping up here pretty quick um, because the, to get the maximum benefit of the the QOZs, you really need to be investing before the end of 2019. If you invest in those funds, they're able to invest in those businesses on your behalf. You don't actually have to yourself be in that zone. But if you've got, you know, say a startup on, on blockchain, you want your, your startup to actually be based and have offices and, and have its assets in the QOZ. Okay, so let me ask you for a summary in simplified terms for anybody who's yeah. listening that's not super familiar with this. So let's say somebody bought some altcoin, sold that altcoin a few months later, and they, just for an example, they made $10,000 in capital gains on that yep. sale. They can then take that $10,000 and invest it in a qualified opportunity zone, and then that $10,000 gain will be deferred, you know, given that they meet all of the requirements right. for QOZ. But the gain, that $10,000 gain will then be deferred? Yep, it'll be deferred until the end of 2026. Wow. So you, you get the time value of money and, and the other kicker too. So after five years, they give you a, a decrease on the recognition of that gain. So they would get $1,000 off uh, as far as the gain's concerned at year five. At year seven, they get an additional 5%. So they're only going to pay a tax on 8,500. Hmm. Um, and then if they hold it for 10 years and there's all these different provisions that steps up every 10 years, the fair market value of that asset. So if it's, you know, they, they buy an apartment building, they, they renovate it and the, the neighborhood comes up in value, you know, in, in Colorado, we've seen some explosive, explosive real estate prices. The fair market value becomes their basis at year 10. So it gives them the chance to exit with zero capital gains at year 10, year 20, year 30, and I think year 40 as well. So there's a lot of potential there um, that I, I see the development potential is, is significant, both for businesses and for real estate. Wow. 
Yeah, that's a it's it's pretty awesome, and I really do think a lot of people are after they hear this, they're gonna start looking right into that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, and, and the other thing too, I mean, and and this kind of you know, touches on something else I wanted to, to talk about too is uh, most of the island of Puerto Rico actually falls in a QOZ. There's a couple pockets here and there, but if you go, uh, it's like the CDFI um, website. You can actually pull a flash map because. Of course, the government's still using Flash Player, um, and, and look at where all these zones are in the country and, and abroad. And and Puerto Rico is a big old blue blob. So if you were already thinking about you know using Act 20 and Act 22 to start a business, this is a really great way for you to basically sell those assets, and you're not going to have that 10-year lockup period or the exit tax. Reinvest in into a business in Puerto Rico, and then your goal is to make you know money either doing consulting or work outside of Puerto Rico, uh, in order to make that money back, and then you're basically capped at what the 4% um, corporate tax rate if you structure it correctly. So there's a ton of opportunities there um, to basically turn around and, and leverage this kind of all the way around. Now, just like I asked you about crypto backed loans, would you yeah. say that something like this is for somebody who has above average capital gains? I mean, are regular crypto traders, is this something they should be looking into? Or is this something that is more for people with tens of thousands of dollars yeah. worth of capital gains. So, I mean, it, it, obviously the more money that you have invested, the the bigger the, the force multiplier, if you will, is on it. Um, but if it's something that, you know, you were thinking about starting a business or you've got family that's looking to start a business and you've got, you know, even $15,000 worth of capital gains, it, it's worth utilizing, you know. Not every business has to be, you know, a $2 million seed round. Sometimes you only need $15,000 to buy equipment and get started. Right. It's yeah. worth, worth exploring. And, and honestly, you know, any money that you can put back in your own pocket, if they're going to give you this kind of opportunity to, to invest in your community, why wouldn't you take it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's really integrating your crypto with all sorts of other businesses and opportunities. It's, it really is a, a great thing. Oh, for sure. Well, and if you can do something that's crypto adjacent, even, you know, maybe you're looking to be a crypto payment processor. Maybe you want to um, create a company that helps educate the the average you know person on cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. There's so many different ways that you can invest in this and, and build up crypto as a whole. And I'm not saying go out and sell your Bitcoin today, um, but there's still a lot of opportunity to kind of spread that that money around and use it to build up other investments and, you know, you get something that's cash flowing, then you wait for the next dip and you buy the dip on the cash flow that you've got. You know, real estate tends to be a pretty great investment um, from a long-term perspective and also from a tax perspective as well, because there's a lot of things that you can do with depreciation and different management fees and things like that, that you can use to basically pull money out tax-free from the real estate and then buy more, more crypto at market rates and let it come back up. So there's a lot of opportunity within, within this space to, to really leverage these QOZs from a, a tax perspective. Let's say somebody does one of these QOZs and then they're investing in real estate and then can they use like kind then on the real estate? Can yeah. They- oh yeah. They can use like kind to, to transfer the real estate. Yeah. And it's fun. one of the things that, you know, but the thing is, if you're going to do that, make sure that what you're transferring into is in a QOZ. You know, it's one of those things that you want to make sure that you're keeping your investments in a QOZ in order to get those benefits. Cause if you, in the year that you pull it out, if it's before 2026, you're going to recognize that gain. So you don't want to necessarily, you know, kneecap yourself if you want, you're trying to save 15% of your capital gains. Right. All right. Perfect. So Drew, I know we just talked about a lot of information in a small amount of time. It's really great information. Do you think you can give everybody listening kind of an overall summary of what we've discussed here? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think the biggest, you know, if you're going to take anything away from, from this podcast, I would say planning makes all the difference. You know, if we can start working now and finding investments for you and, and finding a, basically an exit strategy 
from crypto or a structuring strategy, there's a lot more that we can do in the here and now than, you know, if you come to me on April 14th saying, hey, I need to file my taxes, like what can we do? You know, your hands are pretty much tied after the first of the year. Um, so the, the more that you can plan ahead, the better and, and have an idea of where and when you want to exit and what you want to exit into. You know, we talked kind of about those, those QOZs, but investing in real estate is not for everybody. You know, maybe going into a fund is a better way to go, but you want to have time to actually research and, and invest in those funds appropriately. You know, maybe moving to Puerto Rico doesn't make sense for, for what you want. Maybe you're happy where you're at. You know, I, I don't think I could ever convince my wife to move to Puerto Rico. <laughs> we live it out here in Colorado and it's, it's way too humid, I think, for us at this point. You know, that's not always a great strategy. You know, I've seen a lot of people run into to different things and, and not think about, you know, what is the long-term implications of this? There's some times where it makes more sense to travel abroad and just let your crypto sit and, and try and make money, you know, consulting on crypto instead and, and you know, utilize foreign income exclusion. The more that you can plan it and know what you want your, your crypto to do for you from an investment standpoint will will make it so much easier to actually plan for the taxes and help reduce those. Now, if somebody wants to talk to you personally or reach out to Archer Tax Group, how can yeah. they get in touch with you and your firm? Yeah, so we've got our website. We've got a, a contact us page. Um, we do f- uh, free 15-minute consultations. Or, you know, so if anyone wants to argue with me about like kind exchange, and I've gotten really good at that. You know, hit me up. You know, obviously this time of year we're a little bit, a little bit crazy, but after you know April 15th, we, we've got a lot more time to kind of sit down and walk through people-specific situations. And we try not to charge for the, the first consult. You know, we want everyone to walk away with something. Uh, but there's so much that we can do for, for so many different people of, of different types. We've done a lot of restructuring of, of you know, self-employment income into S-Corps and helping people just kind of understand the, the value of the crypto and what they can do with it. And always we're on Twitter um, at Archer Tax Group. Um, so feel free to tweet at us, message us. We're, we're pretty wide open. Drew, thanks so much for being here today. I really appreciate yeah. it. Anytime. Great. That's all for today. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Bitcoin Taxes, Cryptocurrency, and Taxation Podcast. Be sure to stay tuned for more of our series where we explore a range of crypto-related topics. If you'd like to request a topic or be part of our podcast, you can email us at podcast at bitcoin.tax.